Hey, welcome back, everybody, to After the Checkers with Kyle Hall. I am Kyle Hall, and that guy right there is Dan Ebert, uh, driver of the 60 US MTS Mullins Chassis Modified. How the heck are you, Dan? I'm doing great. How are you, Kyle? I am very well. I'm very well. It's your third time on the show. We had you on just as, as Dan Ebert, the race car driver. And then we had you on as Dan Ebert, the um, foremost expert in shock technology. Um, questionable. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I would say that's probably questionable, but you're, you have more knowledge than anybody listening probably. And so that is, uh, that makes you the foremost expert. You might be the big fish in the little pond, but you're, you're definitely, you, you know, your shocks really, really, really well. Well, it's not because of lack of effort. We'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I like that answer. So, so, and then, so the third time we're having you on the show, we're going to talk about, we're going to go back to race car driver and talk about your still pretty early on, I think, career in a national touring series. And so you've, you've, you're just now in in 2023 starting your third season full-time season in USMTS or for those that don't know what that is the United States Modified Touring Series um all over the country from coast to coast from border to border um you guys are all like you put on have you ever figured out how many miles is a season man it's a it's a pile i know it's it's over 10,000 because i remember looking at the triptych and the rig the first part of the year and and uh, we got back and it season wasn't over and we were at 10,000. So it's yeah. somewhere crazy like that. It's a lot of miles. And so, and I think they probably try to keep you to where you're not driving a thousand miles in between, you know, nights or something like that. But it's when, when you got to get from Texas and then the next weekend you're in North Carolina or something like that, then you got to put the miles in. Yeah, I'll, I'll give hats off to Todd Staley this year and the whole USMTS team because uh, this year's uh, schedule is pretty nice. There's a lot of races that are at the same track, two and three day events. Right. So that helps us a little bit when we get done at midnight and have to drive two or three hours to the next track on a four night swing. I think I think it was a really smart move, particularly in the economy we are in right now with the uh, prices of everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so those will be three separate races or it's a one, one event that's three nights long. Most of them are three separate races. There are a couple that are like a crown jewel race where you have heat races and features and sure. uh, leading up into a big, big feature, but most of them are separate events. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. That does make a lot of sense in, in an economy type mindset where you're trying to save your drivers and, and teams some money that makes that makes a lot of sense actually and so so is there is there tracks dropped from the schedule then that were on it in the past that will not be on it as of a week or so ago they were still doing a couple little updates adding a couple and subtracting a couple but for the most part now i think the schedule's pretty well set um it's at it's at or a little few more races than there was last year so it's it's a good number yeah and how many what is it what is a season how many races is there in a season Gosh, I remember one time looking and it was 40 some, but I think it's in the high 30s. I'll have to recount because yeah. I just saw that uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway is our last event now this year, which is pretty exciting, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, never been out there before. And um, kudos to Todd, because I think we race uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday or or something like that. And then the banquet for our season is Sunday. Right. So to me, sure. that makes sense. We followed that trend a lot with Snowcross. Hey, we're all there. Let's right. get her done. So yeah, to speak. let's just so, have a banquet right after the race. That'll be fun. Yeah, no, for sure. I there's there's something to be said about that. It's all fresh in your mind, and and uh, if if there is a little bit of friction between a couple drivers, it plays out with with everybody <laughs> getting drunk the next night. That's pretty fun. <laughs> and so, okay, so let's go back to uh, what I think you and I determined earlier is 2021. You live in North Carolina. You're sort of the race director guy for all of Fox Shocks. They're their dirt track guy living in, in the Mecca of circle track racing, North Carolina. And, and you get a call, Hey, let's go USMTS racing. 
take take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so we um, we got a really big opportunity by we, me and Ashley and I to go to North Carolina and be the circle track manager for the whole circle track group of Fox and been a Fox guy my whole life, had a lot of fun doing it. And and I really wanted to jump at the opportunity. I remember talking long and hard with James and, and um, just, you know, kind of explained to him that I really want to take this opportunity and do this deal. I think it, I'm definitely going to learn a lot and, and I think we should do it. And, um, you know, our racing will probably be cut back some, you know, I'll come home in the summer and, and do some racing, but not to what I was doing before. Right. So we're down there, everything's fine. And midway, through the winter kind of early winter um todd comes out with this huge schedule uh huge paying races huge point fun and um james the competitor he is you know looking at looking at it uh said hey we should do this we should really consider doing this so at the time think back now i sold uh one of my lethal cars and i had a brand new one that we raced one time the year before and the plan was to roll that into the next season have a fresh car to go racing with so we had one really good, really good car prep. And um, I was a little reluctant at first. I think James will be the first to, first to admit uh, he kind of had to twist my arm a little bit and not because I didn't want to do it at all. It was just looking at, I'm in North Carolina. How to uh, do it. Not, not if you want to do it, how can I do it? Exactly. Yeah. So um, speeding up a little bit, we made a plan. All right, we'll do the first couple races, see how they go see how we're, see how we fit in, see how we like it. And then I will make a plan after that. So, um, we ran Texas. I think we ran okay. And gosh, I don't even remember, but I remember what the kind of the turning point was is when we, um, raced Webster city in the spring, I ended up second from like 18th or something. One night came forward, almost had to win, had another good run somewhere. And, you know, it felt like we were starting to build some momentum, pretty early on with very limited experience on that tire, those racers, those tracks. Right. So we made the decision to go with it. And I think if you were asked my mom and dad, looking back now, man, we wore them, we wore them down because I'm, <laughs> I'm in North Carolina, relied a lot on my mom and dad and Brock and, uh, and Gordo to help out with car tires. And, you know, they, I left after the races are done. And fortunately we never junked one bad or was in too bad a shape, but they prepped them and, and met me at the races, uh, whether it was the next week or right. uh, two weeks or three weeks later. So, so it was, you would, you would fly back to North Carolina and then they would get the cars ready here in Minnesota. Someone would drive that car to Texas, let's say, and you would fly to Texas, get in the car, race it, fly back to North Carolina. They would drive it back to Minnesota like that. That is, you got a good team, Dan. It was it was incredible. Really. You think back on it now and like anything we talk about with racing, you look back and say, how did we do that? Like, yeah. how did we, how did we really do that? Um, one car at the time. And, you know, um, not saying you need two cars because I, I think if you're a good racer it, and keep your stuff clean, you don't really need it. But I will say that it's, it's a nice peace of mind having another one when you're States away and you bang something up. So we start, right. we ran the first, Gosh, my timeline might be off a little bit, but I think we ran most of that season with, with one car. That's, and that's, it speaks not only to you, but to the other 25, 20, 30, whatever it is, guys on that track that to go a season and not have something catastrophic wrong as far as an accident, because it's not, you'd be the best, most careful driver in the world crap happens when you're on a race, like sure. everyone's trying for the same piece of real estate stuff happens kind of thing. And, and, uh, that's B mains local drivers. Like it speaks a lot to the caliber of the driver that's in the USMTS series. And, and add on to that, we, uh, motor wise, you know, let's back up a little bit. My dad and I, and, uh, has basically done all of our own engines. We had Harlan help us out with some back in the day and, just kind of been in-house to save money and just do it all ourselves. So I remember I had a, we built a 410 Ford USMTS engine in 2015 because I did at that time, they had a Northern region, um, kind of a Southern region and, and different things. And I ended up second in that, that deal. But anyway, it was a budget, budget build. I mean, it was a 
Tommy Thompson gave me two engines, two late model engines. One was blown up and one was lapped out. And we kind of built two out of one um, budget stuff, scat yeah. cranking rods, race tech pistons. I mean, I, old lapped out Del West uncoated tie valves that I had just budget stuff just to run that deal. And I had that engine that had probably 30 nights on it underneath, underneath the bench. So, okay, well, we'll start out the year with this engine and just kind of see how things go. Well, started running pretty decent and uh next thing you know we're gosh 2500 laps on this thing and uh pretty scary pretty scary timeline because <laughs> man we're running on borrowed time because my backup yeah. engines were my wasoda engines which they're fine but anybody that follows the usmts deal you're definitely on a disadvantage with wasoda stuff so then um looking back forward throughout that year we ran pretty much the rest of the year with a soda engine 360 cubic inch iron head with soda motor and you know again i i think we ran good would we have won a race or two after shoulda woulda coulda it's yeah. easy to say that i mean i don't know we were for sure down 100 horse so i think i think and we did well i think sometimes it depends a whole bunch on the track you're on right if you're if you're on a big half mile thing the more ponies, the better. If you're on a, a tight little, you know, quarter mile or, or three eighths, something like that, where it's, you're never, you're never using the horsepower all to its full potential anyways, then maybe a little less horsepower, a little more, less spin on the tire. And maybe you're hooking up better kind of a thing. I think the, where, where my image in my head is going is the dome race where like you, you can have 10,000 horsepower in there. You're not, you're, you're never going to hit quarter throttle in that race because you're, it's so small one fifth of a mile, I think. Uh, or yeah, I think one fifth of a mile is what that track is. And, and so then a little less horsepower is maybe, maybe an advantage where you can get a little less spin out of the tires. Well said, Kyle, you know, the other part that I found more of a challenge or as much as weight and balance with percentage my wasoda engine with iron heads versus my old right. 410 with aluminum heads man a percent of rear is a big deal so now you're down a percent so now you got to run heavy it just kind of compounds the snowball sure. of a yeah. balanced yeah. race car yeah <laughs> thanks see i that's that's why you're the, the the race car and the setup guy and i am the announcer is because that would have never entered my equation. An engine is an engine is an engine is what I would have thought, but I'm not doing it every day too. Like that makes, yeah, you never think about that. I would never think about that part until you're doing it where like, man, all we did is change engine. This thing is junk or, or maybe we just changed engines and now it comes alive. Like that's, that's uh, one of the, one of the 10,000 variables that you have to deal with to be super successful. It's a key piece of the puzzle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about before, um, just in person, you and I have talked about before. I always get a kick out of when the big touring series, whether it's a the the late model, you know, guys coming in or or you guys coming into a local racetrack or something like that, and you go out and do single car qualifying and and three local guys are in the top five in qualifying, and you think man, are they, are, are our local guys that good? Like that they can, you know, if they had the money and the opportunity and the time that to go run this tour, they would be that good to run with, you know, all of you guys that are do it every day for a living. Um, and, and, and then the first heat comes out and you guys race and, and the guy, the, the touring guy that started fifth, you know, gets to second and then he redraws and he starts eighth and wins by 10 freaking seconds over the local guys because little adjustment, little adjustment, little adjustment. I got it. And then just drive away. Um, it's, I, I love watching that when, when, if you know, the, the late models come to, to Fergus or to Ogilvy or wherever they come to, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch that progression of the, the, the good guys getting better on that track that night kind of a thing. Whereas I've had guys on the show before where they talk about they got good when they started going someplace else and got out of mm -hmm. their weekly Friday, Saturday, Sunday night racing because I never had to make an adjust. Never ever in five years made an adjustment on my car. And I was, I was the best at my track. 
and then you went to Arizona or to Florida or to Texas and got your ass wiped and and then had to learn how to adjust the car to get better kind of a thing. It's um it's shown a lot uh with to answer your question can a local guy compete and I I firmly believe yes there's no doubt about it I there's been many races where and even when we go out of state but I will say it's been more concentrated in Minnesota up here just the locals are bad to the bone fast yeah. I mean I'll I'll be the first to admit I've said it before but I've raced around the country and this mid, Midwest group is gnarly they're very good great racers and um, they could definitely do it. There's no, there's no question that they could go on the road and run with these guys. Um, it's, uh, you just kind of have to refocus and shift gears on how you approach your program. You know, you approach your Saturday night program way different than you approach your USMTS program. Right, I, yeah. I'll be the first to admit I've had to change my driving style and approach, uh, change how I approach the races, how I approach qualifying and, and kind of, uh, had to take a step back and look at the big picture. So what is, if, if you're comfortable with it, if you're, if you're willing to talk, talk about that, what is, give us two examples of what, of what's different about Saturday night racing at my local track and, and being at Texas motor speedway dirt, dirt track and, and racing there when you're only there for one night. So for example, let's say we're going on a four night swing, um, four different states or down south if you're a fifth place car in that feature race you're a fifth place car and you're going to take that fifth place run and you're going to build a notebook on that dirt or that next race whereas um, if you're a fifth place car at home you've probably been on that track a lot you've probably seen that track a lot it's probably more similar to the previous weeks when you've run it so then you say, okay, I really got to have to change my program here. You know, if I'm a local guy and I'm running third, fourth, fifth, sixth every week, there's going to be some pretty wholesale changes going on. Right. Whereas you can get yourself in trouble real fast making wholesale big changes on the road because, yeah, you might run fifth, but you roll off the next night with your base package, base load, spring, shocks, bars, and you might run second. Right. Or you might run 10th and it's a deal where compared to the local racing scene where I think stuff is a little more aggressive, you know, I think, and I'm not, not cutting the locals down any, they're working, they're, they're working as hard or harder than we are, Yeah. but they'll rough you up for eighth and cut tires down and tear fenders off where rarely you see that with USMTS guys or traveling series because a, they know they got to fix it. It's midnight. They don't want to stay up till two, three in the morning, drive three hours. There's, um, there's just a lot more respect with those guys. So I, I appreciate that more. Like, as I think back, gosh, I think I bent three center links last year and I think they probably all happened local racing. Like I, <laughs> and again, I don't, I'm not cutting down local racing because yeah, we yeah. need it. It's great. And I enjoy doing it, but I've, I've kind of joked with the team. It's like, Man, if these guys went on the road and saw what it actually took to race, you to respect your equipment and your neighbor a lot more because there's going to be a night he's going to outrun you. And you know what? The next night you might outrun him. And right. if you had similar respect, I think uh, I think it would be a better place. Yeah, I, I 100 percent agree. There's I've been watching a lot of the um as, as we're recording this, it's speed weeks down in Georgia and Florida. And I've been watching a lot on flow with the, the late model races that were in Georgia, the late model races that have been in uh, Florida now and going to East Bay and they're in Volusia. And, and you, you can see that on the track where, where there's an opportunity to just door someone and, and you'll see the front of the car dive because I'm not going to like, I have, to, it's going to wreck my shit too. Like I, like, I don't care about him necessarily, but I do care about mine and I'm going to get my ass whooped by my team when I get back <laughs> to the truck. If I, if this thing is junk and, uh, and then you see some guys that you've never heard of and they're coming in, like you said, in, in a B main on the white flag lap, 
dooring the hell out of someone for 12th place when the top two mm -hmm. qualify, you know, the move on. And like, why are you doing that for 12th place? Like that makes no sense. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's interesting to see that like the really good drivers, their cars never, like all you gotta do is wash a little bit of mud off of it and go to the next track kind of thing. You know, it's, it's just nice. Don't get me wrong. I, we all, we all rub some fenders and tear some stuff up from time to time. There's, there's no question about that. We're racing and we're being competitors. I just feel that um, there's some things that could be learned on the local level that could be um, taken away from some of the traveling guys. For sure. For sure. You're, you're one of those guys. Like you did that down in Arizona. You just drove in, like you were starting way up front, qualified good, had great heat race, and then just drove right over someone, got locked up with them and went to the back because you stopped on the track. Yeah, exactly. Perfect example. You know, I'm, uh, that was just tight race. And I think we were four wide there and, and got hooked up, hooked together. And, um, uh, it doesn't matter how, how, uh, good you think you are, or how cautious you are, man, it still happens. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I was, uh, I will tell you sitting in my living room, watching on my phone that night that I cussed. <laughs> i may i may have two under yeah the yes yeah you weren't in my living room but in that helmet there was like ebert you idiot <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you weren't the only one yeah i bet you not so okay so uh we've talked a lot about i don't know how we got in that subject we just go wherever the wherever the spirit moves us i guess but on the second year you you've you've pretty good year. Not, I, I guess, let you tell me what was the expectation going into year two and, and, and maybe even year three. And did you meet expectations? Third part of that question is going to be what are expectations going into 2023 for year season? Year one, we finished 10th um, in points, which I thought was, was very good considering the obstacles and the cards we were dealt yeah. going into the season. Um, Year two, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of use the analogy a lot of high school. So now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sophomore now. So okay. like, yeah. Hey, you know, I've kind of been to some of these tracks now kind of learning the boys. Like it's, it's kind of time to settle in and kind of see how you are. What, what do we need to work on? You know, the first year, everything is so new that I don't want to say an, an excuse at all because you see it all the time with Larson, for example, it doesn't matter if it's a dump truck or a, or bike or exactly. late model doesn't matter yeah but i believe as you get into it and 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 learn more it's time to start building a notebook so to speak and and understand the tracks and try to refine your program i think probably refining the program was probably the best way to dis describe uh, uh my second year you know we um we had good runs but um it was kind of hot and cold you know we we and you see it a lot with dirt racing in general, man, it's just guys can really go on a heater for a while yeah. and then they're just struggling. You wonder like what changed, like what yes. happened? I think that you, all the time. And it's, it's crazy. Cause I feel like I've been there too. And you know, you talk to racers, it's like, but what, what's going on? Like <laughs> you were just dominating. What did you change? Like, what do you happen? And I'll be the first to admit, it's like, I got the same springs. I got the same shocks. I got the same loads. I got the same bars. I've replaced all my Himes. I've went through all my geometry. Like I'm not missing anything. I don't know what, what's going on. If I could get back there, obviously yeah. I would. So it's, um, it was good. I will say that as we tested and learned and raced, we got a lot better towards the end of the year last year, that last swing we were, I'm not going to say we could have won three races, but we were, very much in contention and fortunately we did win one race so that was a huge confident booster for us and uh i've told the crew many times you know as we're we're bouncing up and down the road like what do we need to do and recapping the night and recapping the weekend the win all fix all is winning a race yeah, like it, sure. cheer, it cheers everything you, you don't second guess things and i think we went into that swing with a lot of momentum did do some things chassis wise that seemed to fit my style fit and worked well so um uh to answer your question yeah i think uh, we ended up seventh in the points but finishing out the year as strong as we did um I, I think i think that's a decent year i mean obviously we want to win them all and we're working and driving 
to want to win them all. And we want to be a contender realize you can't win every race, but I believe the vision and, and we're building to a program that we can be a Rodney Sanders, uh, uh, you know, um, Derek Ramirez type caliber team. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. it's not like you can say, okay, we're missing this, 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 and this, and this, and that's why we're not here. I feel like we're getting the pieces of the puzzle together to be one of those teams. It just takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you were talking about, you know, get on a heater and, and you have great success and then all of a sudden nothing changes and and all of a sudden you you can't buy yourself like you're struggling to make an a main or something like that <laughs> um when you when you've checked the car and you've checked the car and you've checked the car my inclination and now i'm not a sports psychologist is to check the dude wearing the helmet and and that's in in my super limited racing stuff when when i went from like I'm going to win this race. And I knew it getting into the car. Like when I saw the lineup, I knew I was going to win that race to ah, shit. Like I'm starting fifth and, and I got this, I ain't get, there's no way I'm going to get to the front. Like just, just the things you're saying and the stuff between your ears, I think can change the outcome of a race. And I, I really truly believe that, that the guy holding the wheel has more to do with winning that race than anything else you don't want to get it in your head that you're beat before the race even starts. Yeah. And I, I believe that particularly I can speak for myself when you're grinding and working as hard as you are and you're trying things and you're processing all this chassis stuff in your head and you're racing subconsciously with your other side and the results are showing themselves. I can't help but think that sometimes that there's yeah. definitely yeah. some conflict, you know, we yeah. saw it a lot with, with snowcross racing, particularly, I don't remember what year it was, but we, um, our riders, some of our riders were injured and we began taking on younger kids and teaching them junior sport kids like, Hey, this is, this is how we approach a weekend. This is how we prep a snowmobile. This is how we scout a track. This is what we look for. And young kids, I think now are a little more vulnerable than like the older generation where they were so headstrong, you know, the Kirks and the Robbie Malinowski's and yeah. the Ryan Simons, they were so headstrong that like they could just, I don't want to say focus out all the BS, but now I will say now kids probably have more talent, but they're thinking you got to kind of keep them kind of focused in a little more. And yeah, yeah. I see it with racing too. It's car racing. I, I think it goes, we've had that conversation on the show before here with other drivers that you can't, the the moment you're thinking about how to race, you're, you're, it's way, you're going way too slow. You're right. You just have to react, just have to do it, not think about it. And like you said, if you're, if you're in the car and feeling this and, and your engineer mind goes to, it should be up, we should be up one hole in the bar and, and like you're, now you're not thinking about the race anymore. Like you're, you're thinking about making adjustments for tomorrow night or whenever, like that is, um, that is, you're, you're too slow at that point, right? The world right now is so competitive as well. And anybody can, I don't want to say anybody, but most people can get into a turnkey race car that is scaled. Loads are set. Yeah. Shock package is dialed. Like, it's pretty dang good. Driving. You don't, yeah. And it compared to years ago, that just took the pool and just shrunk it up now because everybody is so good and so competitive. It goes into the little things more and more and more. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, okay. So what is, what is, are, are we championship or bust this year or is it, we want top five, <laughs> top three. We just want to keep learning, throw on to that, that, We've switched chassis manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we can talk about that. We've um, been a lethal guy now for a long time, and and David has been awesome. I'll tell that to anybody. He's a great, great racer. His chassis, his program, how he runs a business. Whoa. Uh -oh. We just, the, the power great. just went out in St. Cloud, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. There that it is. was crazy. That is weird. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, 
something something okay so is... we're not going to talk about changing chassis i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah david are you in here <laughs> um no david's great he runs an awesome business and you know honestly like i tell people that have asked we got his stuff running really good at the end of the year and i will go on a limb and say that i was probably the best lethal to run usmts usra and have we keep building on it i definitely think we could win races there's there's no question i mean anybody that knows these knows these cars are very similar they're the same clips if you were to measure bar lengths and angles and rear steer and offset on these things they're all so dang close it's just kind of fitting something that fits your niche so um it's just a conversation that that we had as a team and james and uh, we kind of wanted to go a different route so we we got a new mullins car this year and and debuted it down there and um in Vado, and as uh, as I used to say, the paint was still wet on it. Man, yeah. it, it was a it was a thrash getting it done, and it was a great. I, I use Vado as a test. Obviously, it was a great race. I feel like we could have won two of those races pretty easily. Um, but looking back on it, we learned a lot. Um, started to build a notebook again. Right. Um, it's nice to have um, Tanner and and Darren to kind of bounce ideas off of. They've been great as far as. You know, hey, how do you drive this or what, you know, kind of what's your go to adjustments, not to say that they're going to be my go to adjustments. Right. And um, so far, it's been a it's been a good fit. And they're the added bonus there is they're literally in the same pits with you. Like he runs the same series that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's been great, you know, so far. And I still have my lethal car for Wasota, planning on racing Wasota with that. And then my backup car is a lethal car that. Um, we ran really good with last year. So, you know, there might be some nights that we roll that thing out and, right. um, and run it cause it's, um, it's a very, very good car and, um, where the future goes here, we'll see. I think it's going to kind of be a deal where I'm going to maybe pick one that we like best and then we'll make a plan in the future for sure. it. Sure. Perfect. So, um, you never, you never answered the question about expectations for 2023. Yeah. So I'm going we... to nail you down. Yeah. All good. <laughs> I really honestly think that we're, we're getting to be a top five contender and that, and that's Every on night, the track yeah. and in the point structure. I think looking at, again, I've always kind of been a big picture thinker, you know, this point structure and how he pays down is, is really good. So the, the extra, extra cash to keep this program going, yeah, man, um, you know, if you can get up in there to top five, it makes a big difference between top five versus fifth through 10th. Okay. So yeah. Yep. To answer your question, I, I I'm I really believe that we're a top five team. Yeah, I I do too. Watching it, um, the the the, you seem to be the master of qualifying, and <laughs> and uh, and then somewhere between qualifying and and feature finish, there's a, there's there's other drivers. I guess is is the they they want to win too, uh, and so there's. But you've had you had really great success, and then you there was some times where you're like just out to lunch kind of thing, and that's where you getting getting the difference between great success and out to lunch down to, like you say, a a a, a top five finish every night is going to put you right in that championship talk for sure. We can thank uh, Bill Schlieper at Pro Power for for qualifying. <laughs> they um we had them build our engines this past summer for our open stuff and. Um, they're awesome. They're very drivable. will make tons of power. So I'm going to thank them for qualifying because it just, <laughs> you just lay, just lay it on the rug and throw it in there. Right. But, um, to your point, that's where I feel that as a team and as a driver, we need to do a better job keeping up with the racetrack as the night goes on sure. to your point earlier in the night. Um, this tire gives a driver a different feel than a Wasota tire does where I felt with a Wasota tire, I could pin it down pretty easy. Um, Hey, I need 50 pounds of right front load out. I need 30 pounds of right rear load. I need left upper bar up and I need to drop the J bar a quarter inch. And, you know, we're, we'll yeah, be, we we'll go. be pretty yeah. decent with that where this is a, it's kind of a mushy, mushy tire. And I've struggled uh, kind of getting the feel that I wanted and needed um, as the races went on and as the night went on. So, I felt that I've kind of found a little more what I think I need. And um, that all comes with experience. You yeah, know, that's um, just seat time. And like you, you've, you've said it 10 times, notebook, 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 notebook. 
definitely. It's, yeah. um, you know, you hear so many interviews and so many people talk about balance, you know, like what's car balance and, and what, and what is, what is a notebook? It's like, well, yeah, I ran these springs and these shocks and this is what my deal is, but being more detailed probably with my notes and being more detailed with just, uh, everything with track conditions, it's, um, it's a big thing. And, and until you, you know, let's give an example, you get a Wasota feel, uh, okay, this package works. Like this is where I need to be right front travel wise. This is where I need to be load wise. This is where I need to be platform wise. You go do that on an American racer tire. It gives you a totally different feel. And now you're looking for a feel that potentially might not be there. Right. Um, so or yeah. when you get to that feel, it's not fast. Right. Yeah, right. well said. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ashley and Brendan joke a lot. They say, whenever the car feels good for you, you're not good. And he's, they say, when the car feels like crap, you're fast. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Just like, <laughs> That's true. Like you hear that all the way up to the cup level, you know, you, like you watch a NASCAR race on Sunday afternoon or whatever. And, and the driver is just bitching up a storm on the radio and then the crew chief comes back and goes, but you're a tenth of a lap faster <laughs> than anyone on the damn track. Shut your mouth and drive the car. And that's to your to your exact point kind of a thing. Like sometimes it, it ain't going to feel good. It's just got to be good. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So you, along, along with everything we just talked about, you decided, hey, let's let's throw a, another little adventure in here uh, in in we talked about before you, you build shocks, like you, there's Fox shocks by Ebert now. And, um, talk about that a little bit and, and how involved do you want to be with that going forward? So, yeah, as, as I've probably talked before, I've kind of always been a shock guy forever way back in the snowmobile stuff. And then right. when I work for Fox, it's advancing my knowledge and getting more experience. So when we moved back from North Carolina, I became a Fox dealer. Um, Ebert Suspension Development is the name of the the company now. Um, and I'll I'll tell you what I tell just about everybody that that calls me. Um, you might be better off buying two sets right away, and I'll tell you why. Is because if you wreck a shock Friday or Saturday, and you get it to me Monday, you're probably not going to have it back when I'm in Louisiana. Right. Yeah. So. I've, I haven't pushed the business real hard because being up front with them, my customer support is not going to be good <laughs> and they are going to be second place. And by that meaning, if the race car needs a clip, the shocks are going to be sitting by the door. Put like it, it's yeah, not put on the shelf. Yeah. But if, if, uh, if you want me to work with your work with you and, and build you a set of shocks, that's, that's totally fine. It's, 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 it's been totally world word of mouth. It's, it's been, um, Gosh, and you know it's crazy to think. I, I bet I probably have 20, 30 customers now, which is crazy to think back on where it came from and what it, what its intent was. You know, yeah. it, um, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's something I enjoy, particularly this time of year. Like now, if yeah. someone says, "Hey, can I can you build me a package for the summer?" Yeah, no problem. Call me up in June. It's like. I, I'll just be honest with you. It's not going to happen. I'll build you a sec for next summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, and then you add in, um, go ahead. And you add in, uh, all the supply chain issues of our world, yeah. man, that just made stuff even harder yet. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause there isn't call up on Tuesday and have it Thursday and get it done Thursday afternoon and get it back to a driver. Now it's like, I can get you parts in three weeks kind of thing. Make, make your old stuff work or whatever it is. Um, I was going to ask, is it, are the shocks that you're building exclusively modified shocks or you kind of run the gamut of everything? Pretty much do everything. Um, mod four street stock. I don't do any street stock stuff just because of the stock mount. Right. I, just, I can't, I can't really wrap my head around the motion ratios with the stock mount. And then also the street stock thing is crazy right now, um, with setup stuff man, a lot of guys are making them look like modifieds. Yeah. And that takes a whole different package than a guy that runs them like a 90 street stock. But um, yeah, super stocks, pretty much everything. Um, have a pretty good notebook, pretty good baseline package just because I've raced 
um, just about everything All now. So, yeah, yeah. And working with, um, I've been very fortunate to work with some very, very good drivers that give good feedback. So it's been, it's been nice that way. Um, I, I do feel that, and I'm not just saying it because I'm a Fox guy, but when you get to the top level, whether it's Penske and the high-end Bill Stein and Olean's and Fox, um, just a very, very good shock. And, you know, you can overlay curves and, and do slow speed PVP tests and get things to line up perfect, but they just don't feel exactly the same. They're all a very, very good shock. And a lot of it is just getting it set up for that tire, that engine package, that spoiler, that dirt, that driver. Yeah. Yep. And it's so, so kind of what you want to do is here is, here is something that is good and maybe adapt your driving style to, to my shocks versus continuously moving the shocks around because I'm not going to be there. I, I can't come to a test with you or come to your Friday night racetrack because I'm on the other side of the world racing my stuff but this, this will get you close and then, and then adjust a little bit from there. I do feel that uh, a baseline package is pretty dang right. Um, there is some times when, uh, you know, there's been some customers that call back and just say, Hey, I can't drive it. Like there's <laughs> something way wrong here. And then we might have to dig in a little deeper on, okay, what were you doing? What was your shock package? Yeah. Excuse me. And kind of figure out, uh, work with that individual to get them happy again. I've never had a, someone yet that just says, here you go, yeah. take these back, they're junks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that to your point, uh, the other thing I try to do, depending on how more or less involved a, like a super stock late model and modified guy is, I really like adjustable. By that, I mean, have a clicker on the shaft. So sure. yep. you can you can have, in essence, a couple, three different shocks in one with a different bleed curve and, kind of walk them through what does what so then they can play you know i i do feel that that's a great rule that wasota has um and usmts for that matter where yeah it's a 700 hundred dollar shock but you don't have to have four of them right it it, it, it kind of is an all-in-one so i depending on the person a lot of people just say nope i don't want to adjust nothing i want to bolt these things on and they'll be good to go and some say no i really want to play so with the Fox product line, it gives a lot of people nice options in the higher up classes where you're allowed to do it. Perfect. So in, in summary of uh, Ebert suspension development, if you want really, really good shocks uh, and half-ass support, give Dan a holler. <laughs> <laughs> but we're upfront about it. We're upfront about it. Yeah. You're something else, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's, I'm, I'm joking, of course, because there's, I know Dan well enough to know that 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 would eat at you. Like it would a hundred percent eat at you. Like you're more likely to tell somebody you're going to have more success with somebody else's shocks than with mine, because I'm not here to help you. And so, yeah. And so, okay. Enough of the, the important stuff. We're going to go to the toy <laughs> department now. So we do this thing on the show, Dan, you've seen the show. You've been on the show. We do this thing called the yourmth.com rapid fire questions. Of course, you're very familiar with your MTH there. They have a, a pretty good size sticker on the side of the 60 car that. Um, that if you're in the market for a truck, go see Mike. Exactly. Exactly. Or a, or a car, a SUV or a commercial or really anything that you can freaking dream of. Those guys can get it for you. So, um, so give them a holler. So your rapid fire questions. Question number one is what is. Like we know Dan Ebert is full of actual facts, like how to set up a car, a lot of engineering stuff, a lot of shock. You just said a whole bunch of stuff that no one's going to know what the hell it is, except for other race car drivers. What is a weird fact that has nothing to do with racing that's in your head, just rattling around? For example, mm. for example, on a wine bottle, the thing on the bottom of it, there's always like a big divot in the bottom of a, a wine bottle. That's called a punt. Why do I know that? I have no I did idea, not know that. but I do. Yeah. I so did something like to that. that point to the other, to your point the other day, I was at a restaurant and you probably know this and probably everybody know this, but I didn't know this on the bottom of the salt and pepper shaker. They have the serrations, the ridges. 
Did you know that when you flip that over and then and those, grind those syringes, it makes it come out easier yeah, and faster? Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question. Let's... That, no, that's a perfect thing because <laughs> there's a lot of people, Dan, that are watching that are like, what the hell are you talking about? So for example, what Dan is talking about is you put your salt like this and you take your pepper and do this and it literally pours out. And then you can flip it over and do the same thing and the pepper pours out. I was mind blown when I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was at I was at Texas Roadhouse down in Vado or it would have been El Paso. And the table next to me did that. And I was blown away because I'm like, that makes sense. I've like, always said that I've always said that the pepper needs more porting. The holes are way too small. Right. Yeah. And then I tried that and it was it was definitely easier. Works out better. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Useless facts. Well, this isn't even useless. This is a super good fact. Um, what what is my question here? What do you do? Oh, what do you do that isn't race related? Like when it's not a race weekend, you're not in this shop working on race cars, building shocks. When it's just Dan and Ashley and the puppies, what what do you do? Uh, I really enjoy to hunt in the fall which is a huge controversy because fall is when the specials come and when you right. really need to be on your game. Uh, I enjoy hunting, waterfowl hunting with my dad and uh, going up to his property up by Thief River Falls. So I really enjoy hunting in the fall. And then during the summer, any time that we can, I enjoy to be in the boat. I, I tell people all the time, I grew up on a lake. Um, as a kid, I could I gave two craps about going on the boat. Yeah. Hated didn't really care about swimming. Didn't really care about being in the water. Just, I didn't really care about it. Yeah, didn't now, matter. as I've gotten older, I want to spend more and more and more and more time in the boat. And my, my sister and brother-in-law got a nice new wake boat. So man, that's, that's pretty tough to beat. Are you, <laughs> so when you're out in the water, are you just to sit in the boat? Just, just, I just want to relax in the boat and just let, let it massage me. Or are you, are you wakeboarding? I do it all. Um, yeah. I wake, wake surfing. So wakeboarding yes. now is a little, little too fast, a little too aggressive. This wake surfing thing where you go it 10 miles like an hour. Sounds like a separated shoulder to Dan now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, yeah. this wake surfing thing that you can just hang out and, and surf along the boat. That's my cup of tea. I, yeah. I'm not good at it, but I try really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you get to be my age, Dan, and you just want to be in the boat. Like I, I am right there with you. I love being in the boat and just being in the boat. Like that's, there's, there's something about it. I don't, yeah. I don't understand what it is because I've told my wife this all the time. And she says, you say this every time we go on the boat, but I, I tell her, I enjoy it more and more. It's one of the things that I've enjoyed more as I've gotten older than yeah. any other thing. Yeah. It's weird. Yep. It's for me, it's, it's that it's just, just hanging in the boat uh and and camping in desolation not at a campground like when there's camper mm. camper 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 cannot stand it but there's some friends of ours that have property that is the nearest other person is 30 miles from you and you are there's no cell reception there's you're just out there a side by side your wife my wife and your friends and a campfire and it's there's nothing better than that i just love it so much but okay enough about that um how many speeding tickets does dan ebert own man that's funny you say that you're gonna jinx me now because i haven't had one in years yeah and it's it's crazy to think about because i do feel like i drive pretty fast um but it's been it's been at least two or three years and total count not too bad, maybe three. Yeah. Which I went surprising. Uh, I went probably forty-three years without one. Like literally it never, never got pulled over for speeding. Or if I did, it was like, eh, slow down, you know, take it easy. And then I got one and and then went a pretty good time, five, six years without another one. And then two summers ago, in the course of six weeks, got four. Like crazy learn your making up for lost time yeah exactly so the last one to pull me over it was a, a a gal state trooper and she goes you know if you get one more we're taking your license right and i'm like what 
Whoa. And she goes, if you get one more ticket in the next 12 months, we're, we're literally taking your driver's license. You'll have to take your written and your, your behind the wheel again, to, like a DWI kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, that ain't like, like now right. I'm like 54 mile. I'm the asshole in the left lane going 54. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> that ain't happening. You're not taking my yeah, driver's think, license. Um, right. I think the other thing that's helped, and I could be way off base on this, but I have my CDL, my commercial driver's license and the fines and the trouble yeah. you can get in are way higher. So Fires. I, and I could be way off on this. So probably there'll probably be a, a cop or a trooper that watches a show and be like, I'm going after him. But I feel that if you have that on your license, I know there's been a couple times where I get a break. Oh, really? Okay. Nice. Yeah. Cause they yeah. know there's the, it's, He's going eight miles an hour over the speed limit. The consequence is too big of a penalty for the for the crime. Yeah. Yeah. And like this guy could potentially lose his Career. commercial driver's license. And yeah. I definitely want my Amazon coming to my house. So we yeah, can't exactly. we can't take away his exactly. can't take away another commercial driver's exactly. license. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Uh question number four, your mth.com rapid fire questions is does Dan Ebert cry at sappy movies? Or are you just like iron? Mm. Mm. does anything get you it can be a little i can be a little soft at times yeah yeah that's yeah the older you get have some kids that changes everything and then all of a sudden you think about things just completely differently once once you once it's not puppies and once it's actual babies <laughs> um number five what is the now for those that don't know and i i suspect that most everybody's gonna know that's watching this your dad is is motorsports racing power sports racing royalty absolute legend um i i would give credit for a lot of the legendary dick trickles success to your father russ ebert what is so the question is this is what is the best piece of advice about racing that you've ever gotten from russ ebert boy because it's, uh, I know Russ well enough to know that it's not some convoluted weaving thing. It is literally an arrow. Like it's, he, will, he's, he's so. Yeah, smart. I will say that probably stemming from Dick as well as, is you gotta wanna. That's probably one of my favorites is, you know, from a young age when I wanted to start racing snowmobiles, there was never a, well, here's a sled, here's a mechanic, like, go have fun. It, it's 100%. If you want to do it, Figure it it's going to be your baby and you yep. need to do it yourself. Obviously he's been, and my mom as well, and my whole family been huge supporters, but it's like, you need to show the ambition. You need to show the effort right. and then we'll support you as much as we can along the way. But um, man, you got to want to, that's, that's, that's good advice it's crazy to think about now because like where we've come and what we've done, it's the amount of effort. I mean, the old, it's like, you couldn't pay me to work this hard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's no amount of money. I will do it on my own for a buck an hour. Literally. Yeah. You couldn't pay me enough to do what I do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you don't even want to begin to look at the time. Yeah. Cause if you, if you look at that and then you actually start adding things up in your head, you just, you just want to stop at that point. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My best piece of racing advice that I ever got from anyone um, was to finish first, first, you must finish. Yeah. That's, and, and you may or not know this words mixed around a little bit. I originally heard that from Dick Trickle and that was to finish first, you must first finish right. uh, what, yeah. Yeah. On, on your point. And it makes so much sense because it's like, you know, you, you got to learn to crawl before you can walk. Yep. And, and that falls right into your finish first, much first finish. Yep. Yep. It's uh, you can't, you can't tear yourself up on lap one because lap one doesn't pay anything. Yeah. Or, or lap 14 out of 15 doesn't pay anything. And so it's, yeah. you gotta, it, it goes back to your respect thing that you talked about when you're racing with your USMTS guys, they're, you know, come coming out of four on the last lap, no one's going to run you over for fifth place because I, I, 
if if I pull into the wall right here, 30 feet short of the finish line, I don't get paid nothing. I would rather get paid <laughs> fifth place and and let him get fourth place and get a paycheck and get some points and move on to tomorrow and kick his ass tomorrow night kind of thing. So it's uh perfect. Okay. I love well, that. Uh, last segment. And then we're going to get you out of here. Cause I think we're really long. Um, <laughs> Rascal aluminum pay it forward question is brought to you of course by Rascal aluminum, which is a, a, a you know, race car aluminum fish house aluminum. They do all sorts of different fasteners now and all that kind of stuff. And so as people are hopefully right now, in the midst of putting cars together and not waiting until April 16th to put cars together, uh, give them a call, make sure you're, you're getting in line to get your aluminum. They have it. You can go pick it up. I have three locations now where, where you can go get their aluminum. So give them a shot. Um, this is where my last guest gets to ask you a question. You were going to ask my next guest a question. You're going to know both halves of this pretty well. Um, awesome. The guy asking you the question is a guy by the name of Danny Vang, who is uh, someone that you years ago went wheel to wheel with on a on a nightly basis or weekly basis, I guess, in Brainerd. In went back when back when Dan Ebert was just a lowly B mod driver. Um, and uh, some days I still feel like one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Danny's question for you was this: is and I I thought this is a brilliant question, is what have you seen traveling around the country, been to all of these amazing racetracks? Sometimes they're dumpy racetracks, but put on a great show. Um, what have you seen in your in your couple years of traveling throughout the country racing that that you could give back to promoters in central Minnesota and northern Minnesota and southern Minnesota and Wissota land that that would improve racing and continue to make it grow here? Great question. Great, great question. That's what I thought too. Um, a lot of it is, and I've kind of learned this more and I've trended more this way that the highest end racing doesn't always put on the best show. When, Very man, true. you, we go down to some of these podunk backwoods, uh, I mean, there was this one class, this is the craziest thing, and hopefully someone that's watched this too in Zen and can correct me. There was these cl this class down south that had takeoff asphalt slick tires. No tread. Takeoff asphalt slick tires, and I could be wrong on this, so uh, bear with me, and no right front shock. <laughs> no, no, no car can have a right front shock. And I'm telling you right now, it was some of the most incredible side-by-side -side slide job, crazy racing It put on an awesome show. I think there were three wide to get the checkered. That's awesome. And, um, uh, so that, that was cool. That was, that was a neat point. Also, what I've seen is that you got to keep racing fun and you got to keep it affordable somehow. And you got to keep the show moving faster. I, yeah. now I've seen both sides of that. Some of the tracks I've been to is just like, are we really still here? It's two thirty in the morning. Right. Nobody cares anymore. Right. But I've been to some places where, I mean, you get the checkered. The next class is literally rolling on the track. Yeah. Yep. They run a. I feel like in our world today, everybody is so ADD that we cannot sit there for five six hours. We yeah. have to get this show done as fast as we can, and um and and put on a good show. So um two or three part. I don't know how, how I answered that or if I was yeah, just no, rambling on. But. Yeah. Perfect. So I, I've made this, not that I get to go behind the curtain, but I get to peek behind the curtain every now and then at the track where I announce and a, a football game is three, three and a half hours long. A movie is three hours long. A baseball game is three hours long. Every kind of entertainment we, that is successful NASCAR mm -hmm. race. There's one race a year that's longer than three hours long um, or about, I mean, maybe it's three and a half, whatever kind of a thing. I think that's the target. If you, if you can figure out how to get your show in, in the window of three to four hours and make it always like, like UPS on the front door, always mm -hmm three to four hours long and never have one that's six hours long because the new spectator that comes 
to the six hour long show goes, I don't have time to do this. And they think that that's what the show is all the time. And so I always keep it between three and four. And I think, I think spectators continue. And then it becomes a viable, like, yeah, of course we're going to go do that. We'll be home by, you know, 1030 at night kind of a thing. And so it's, I, I, that's having not gone all around the world watching racing that that would be my input it's interesting that yours is the same though and so um we'll have to talk to james and brian about doing a, a slick bomber class with no yeah shot. there you go that's, that's fun so okay so your question you get to to dream up in your engineer head a question for none other than ricky weiss i mm. like maybe other than yourself, maybe, and, and your dad, of course, maybe the biggest name that has ever been on After the Checkers is Ricky the Weiss. National, big time, touring, world of outlaw, late model driver, Lucas Oil, late model driver. Um, but at at his at his core, he's just a just a Wasota boy. And so mm-hmm. um, so we finally got him on the show. I've asked for a long time, and he finally had a little bit of a break in his schedule. Uh, and so he's gonna be the next guest. And so what would your question? For the seven B, uh, Ricky, looking back on your career, what was the pivotal moment that I'm going to do a two part question? Okay. What was the pivotal moment that made you say, "Hey, I can do this. I'm I'm a I'm an A team driver, and I'm going to go full on racing." And second part of that question would be, if you had to go back, what would you change to help get there sooner? I like that. I like that second part. Um, what would you have changed? To get there sooner. Um, make, him, make him work for it a little bit, Kyle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nobody gets off easy. No, for sure not. So speaking of which, what would you have done to get where you are sooner? You know, to be honest, Kyle, I look back on my career when we could go all the way back to BMX. Yeah. Professional snowcross. Motocross. Moto, yeah, questionable motocross. Very, very questionable. <laughs> I knew the announcer uh, then, and he was at every one of your races, and you weren't so bad a motocrosser. And then to car racing and the relationships the experiences, the people I've met have really molded to me to be who I am today. And I can't really say I would have changed anything. You know, there, everything is so circumstantial and, and happens by chance to where end up where you are. And if that that hadn't happened, that wouldn't happen. And yeah, it's, um, it's been a, been a pretty incredible ride. Yeah. Yeah. And just getting started, I think. So it's, um, I appreciate you being on the show again, Dan. And it's you're one of those guests that are, it's always got a tremendous amount of views and the feedback on it that I get personally is like, man, I could listen to that guy talk forever and ever and ever. And so uh, it won't be your last, you'll be on the show again, for sure. I hope. And so um, we're gonna let you go at that and um, good luck in 2023. I, I, I look forward to, uh, to driving home with your you, you our mutual really good friend Brock. We a lot of times are checking your results or trying to catch the end of your races on the way home as we're driving home from the racetrack on Sunday night. And uh I look forward to seeing pictures with big chicks. Yeah. Well, I just gotta give a big shout out to James Trantina for the opportunity that he's given me and our yeah. family and our team to do this. Ashley, my mom, my dad, Brendan, uh Brock. Uh, Oli Pork, and then um, all my great partners, Collins Brothers Towing of St. Cloud, Minnesota Truck Headquarters, Woody's Racing, Country Pride Excavating, Amsoil, Iron City Construction, Shaw Trucking, Ryan Benjamin, Dyna Realty, Peterson Farms and Seeds, Country Cat, Shocker Hitch, General Formulations, Fox Factory, Speedworks, Digital Link Design and Graphics, Go Lithium Batteries, Quartermaster, Hyperco, All Star Performance, Moonlight Bay, WE Insurance, and Weir's Machine. Thank you. Takes a takes a village, doesn't it, Dan? It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And we need and we need them all. Yeah, for sure. It's the I, I it's awesome that you took the time to do that because not a lot of my guests do. Um, and they have a list just as long, if not longer, to 
to make their program. Nobody, nobody, I shouldn't say nobody. Very, very few people do this adventure alone, right? And sure. so it's um, certainly no one very successful does it alone. And I'll add to that, yeah. that you don't get to the top of the hill by yourself either. No. And even if you're there, then who the hell, like you, yeah. you want to share much it with fun somebody, is that, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's no fun being at the top of the hill by yourself. So awesome. Yeah. We're going to leave it at that. And uh, we will chat with you soon, Dan. Good luck. Thank you, Kyle. You bet. That's Dan Ebert on After the Checkers, everybody.